the <laughs> Mucinex PE is the new Sudafed in my house. Oh, really? I mean, loops for days. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. anything with the PE, because the PE is the pseudoephedrine that we love, yes, that I we know so. and love and have to buy from. Yeah. There is the a Mucinex DM. No, oh, yeah. I need like experience. the, <laughs> I need the, I need the mini mess of um, the PE. <laughs> I feel I like I spend a lot of time talking about drugs that I'm oh, on ma'am. or drugs that I take, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I guess whatever. <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to get some fan mail being like, we're worried about Lisa. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations about big stories. But before we get to the meat of the meal, let me uh, share with you our aperitifs, our snacks, as it were. Um, First, we have writer, humorist, astrologer, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? It's Kelly Sue Milano. I am the snack. Um, next, we have uh, my nemesis, my partner in crime, our fabulous producer, creative jack of all trades. Bet you can't eat just one. It's Philip Kelly. I, I am a full serving. Uh, you can just uh, have as much as you want, anybody. <laughs> Next, we have illustrator extraordinaire, graphic designer to the gods. She thinks outside the bun. It's Lisa K. Weber. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Where's the beef? (laughs) Now, we have our crafty geek, our mother listener of audiobooks, Like a good neighbor, Claire Thorne is there. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) It's a good thing I'm not um, sipping on my drink while you're doing these, because there would have been spit takes. Appropriately (laughs) enough, I chose to close with Claire because I was about to introduce myself, Justin Peniston, writer, and the answer to the question, where's the beef? So I well, done I been cleared. I done been cleared on my own, on my own, on my own jam. I done been cleared on my intros. That has to be a record. Oh, that's I'm so sorry. Perfect. No, it's so, so perfect. It's so perfect. Oh, <laughs> I have taught you well, my young Padawans. Oh, I love it. For oh, five seconds, before... I was like, the answer to the question: How many licks does it take? Oh. oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, wow. oh, I wish I would have thought of that, but my wife would have swumped, just swooped in here like the angry Mexican she is. Every taken me right out. Have we talked about Justin's last name before? I just want to. Oh, yeah, we've oh, talked about yeah, it yes, we plenty. <laughs> plenty. Uh, All good and plenty, dare I say. Good and plenty. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh, We're open for sponsorships, we... everybody. <laughs> before we begin our discussion of the latest episode of Hannibal, why don't Lisa and Philip 
uh, take us into the deets. We start with Will Graham and Abigail fly fishing together. Aside from the fact that Abigail is presumably dead, they're smiling a lot. So we know this isn't real. He pulled from his he's pulled from his dream by Beverly Katz telling him that he was right. The muralist was sewn into the mural by someone else. Will's like, yeah, I know, I told you, it's Hannibal. She refuses to believe it, but he urges her to keep looking at the details. It's such a terrible idea that we're almost relieved when the BAU team is called in to investigate a totally harmless murder scene where a man is turned into a beehive. Finally, something nice and relaxing. <laughs> Will has enlisted Dr. Chilton as his sole psychiatrist and tells him, don't you dare share any of this with Hannibal Lecter. Chilton, being the big notoriety slut that he is, is thrilled. Hannibal then has... Hannibal has his hands tied anyway, messing with the affairs of other people in Will's circle, helping Bella understand her increasing psychological pain in the face of her imminent death, and then by consulting on the muralist murder with Beverly. Very unfortunately for her, she mentions very unfortunate for her, she mentions her arrangement with Will, and Hannibal gets so visibly jealous, we know this whole thing ain't gonna end well. Chilston, oh my gosh, I don't know what is going on. Okay. <laughs> Chilton administers some truth serum during a test of Will's and they uncover some juicy, terrifying memories of Hannibal dosing Will up with some therapy roofie and then inducing seizures with a strobe lamp. Chilton cuts off Hannibal with a very Blanche Dubois energy. A second B guy shows up and the BAU team realizes that both B guys are lobotomized and traces them back to Amanda Plummer's holistic murder office. Based on evidence from the B guys, Beverly rechecks the muralist and finds that his kidney was removed. We know that move. She tells Will about it. He realizes Hannibal is eating them, flashback to the breakfast heard round the world, and urges her to stay away from Hannibal Lecter. Bella doesn't know to take this advice and turns up to end her life in his office. He resuscitates her and she gives a good slap for it. With Hannibal being out of the house to fuck around with other people's lives, Beverly sneaks in searching for proof. Boy, does she find it and then some. We see a bullet fly through the floor of Hannibal's office, which means it didn't make its way into Hannibal. Okay. This was a lot of episode. This was a lot yeah. of episode. Um, diving right in, thematically, I thought that personal loss played a big part in this episode. Uh, it opens with Will in his mental safe place with Abigail Hobbs, referring to her very specifically as someone that he cherished. And it's implied that it will take the loss of cherished bait to catch the fish that eludes him. And of course, this episode ends with Beverly Katz, drawn into Will's suspicions, running afoul of Hannibal. Um, we've established throughout the show that in many ways, Beverly has been Will's only real true friend, the person with no agenda, the person who doesn't want anything for him, but for him to be his best self. Um, and of course, you know, just on top of all that, Jack is dealing with the impending loss of his wife. And even she, in addition to dying, loses her autonomy when Hannibal decides to intervene in her suicide on a coin flip. Um, am I tripping? I mean, this law seems to be a big, big deal in this episode. Um, lay it on me. Where's the beef? Kelly <laughs> Sumulano. Big pun. Big pun. Um, 
Yeah. I love tying in the idea of <clears throat> loss and also loss of dignity that is brought up in this episode. I feel that that is where the storyline with Amanda Plummer comes into play um, and how <clears throat> we get to see two sides of the same coin. Uh, okay. Big pun. <laughs> nice. Big pun. With Amanda Plummer and the way that she intervenes in her patients' lives and the way that Hannibal intervenes with Bella. Amanda Plummer is crazy as fuck, for sure. Like, don't do that, <laughs> ever. But she was like, I'm really, I'm helping them. I'm helping them to end their lives with dignity. I'm helping them to understand that their pain doesn't matter. Hannibal, I mean, it was just a dick move, in my opinion. Oh, you know, like I get yeah. that you want to be curious about what happens, but I mean, for fuck's sake, <laughs> gave you that coin, motherfucker. It was very No Country for Old Men. The coin totally. flip. It was so. It was so dispassionate. Completely. On top of everything else, look, it's. I don't think it's an accident that it that one of the faces of the coin was a cock. Like you say, I mean, it's a dick move. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and it's, I mean, we're, we're sort of digging into my next question, which is actually about, because I think the ending of suffering was mm -hmm. sort of the, the sub theme, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to go hand in hand with loss. So we can just yeah. make it into a big Uber discussion, you know? Totally. Because um, with Amanda Plummer, yeah, she's batshit, mm -hmm. but I don't think she's evil. Like when you mm -hmm. juxtapose her with Hannibal, Hannibal, who saved someone's life, came off as evil, whereas mm -hmm. Amanda Plummer comes off as crazy, misguided. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? But but ultimately kind. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, she even goes out of her way to make sure her patients feel no pain. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't even really trying. It's not like she was trying to like hide what she was doing. <laughs> She comes right out and says it. Oh, she she's... releases that second dude back out into the wild. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's pretty plain that she doesn't think she's doing anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I uh, this episode for me answered a big question that I keep bringing up in the show, and we're all we've always been like, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because this is the episode where Will realizes that Hannibal's the Chesapeake Ripper. Mm -hmm. And having watched this, this is my third or fourth time watching this. I still can't believe that this is, I didn't remember like this whole juxtaposition coming together. And, you know, I, I guess I don't have a question, but all I can think is, God, this is freaking Miriam Lass all over again, mm -hmm. you know, with Beverly. Um, yeah. I, honestly, I want to spend this whole episode talking to Philip. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I mean, Philip got, you know, Philip connected the Beverly Will relationship. He, he engaged with it from the first episode, mm -hmm. you know, and got yeah. like audibly emotional thinking about Beverly coming into the season finale uh, of the first season. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to ask Will a question that I asked him last night and he refused to answer. You mean Philip? 
Philip, what did I say? I mean, you said Will, but I mean, oh, hey, in this case, probably, said Phil. it's probably, yeah. no, he said Will. Uh, in this case, oh. it's probably not far off in, in sort of the discussion. They are one and the same. <laughs> the connection. Right? Now, you have not watched past season no, two, episode four. I have not. Do you hold out any hope for Beverly's survival? Um, I mean, obviously, yes. I like we 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 watch stuff, we engage with stories because and that's the big juggling act that a good show or a good story will do is they they give you the opportunity to hope, but they also give you the opportunity to fear. And I have both in equal measures in this case. Um cutting away, not showing it, it gives you hope. You know, it it obviously I'm hopeful that that she makes it that that something happens you know it, it, in this case it's all up to hannibal i it, whether which you know fits his machinations better um you know if, if we're talking about uh this sort of reflecting of the uh uh what's the character's name Miriam uh, Lass. Miriam Lass. you know he he didn't need her alive to do what he needed to do uh you know, and in this case, I don't know if he does or not. Um, I don't, you know, will he use Beverly Katz to taunt Jack still, um, to taunt whoever? Uh, it's, uh, who knows? Like, he decided the fate of somebody with a coin toss, a coin toss this episode. You know, it's, uh, it's hard to tell what Hannibal wants to do and when and why uh, and, and, and what that next step is going to be. So, yeah, I absolutely, obviously, hold out hope that she's alive, but. Yeah. How did did anyone besides me notice? Or I didn't notice, and I'm wondering if anyone did. Did we see Abigail's ears at all in that flash? In that you I know, don't think so. I think her opening? hair is kind of like yes. I'm just for anyone how... who can't see me, I've just put my hair on either side of <laughs> over my face her ears. So you can't yes. see my ears. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering if you know will sees her ears if he sees her whole mm -hmm. um that whole scene was it, it was a little on the nose you know but it was also i like i like the callbacks i liked the you know one you lure the other you stalk mm -hmm. um i i liked that they straight up you know because i didn't notice the the how it weaves into what happens with Beverly the first few times I watched it. You know what I mean? It was only watching it the second time this time, because I watched it twice in the last couple of days, you know, that I realized, holy shit, you know, everything he's saying, everything they're saying applies to what happens to Beverly in the end. You know, did, do you feel like Will sort of baited slash manipulated, maybe not on purpose, but Beverly into this situation? I mean, he was pretty upfront about like, I want, I mean, like when he first kind of approaches her and he's like, or when she approaches him, I should say, and he's like, okay, quid pro quo, Beverly. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, like, he's like, I want you to keep looking at the evidence. Um, and she kind of makes the presumptive leap that, you know, he means that he wants her to connect the evidence to Hannibal. Right. Um, and she's like, well, I can't do that. And he's like, well, I'm not asking you to, I'm just asking you to keep looking. Um, and, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, she knows th that Will is still 
obsessed with Hannibal. And um, when she makes the realization that, you know, Will could be right here, Will is immediately like, stay away from yeah. Hannibal Lecter. And what does she do? The exact opposite. Goes into his basement. So I don't, I don't know if that was manipulation on Will's part. I mean, he was pretty, he was pretty clear in telling her, do not like when he found out that she had invited him to the autopsy of the muralist, he was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like this, like, this is, don't do that. You can't play in this game you know and so yeah yes he was kind of using her as a tool to his ends but I don't think that he was I don't think that um yeah I, I don't think that he was like yeah go to his place and find the evidence you know yeah I don't I don't think any of that rises to the label of direct manipulation but at the same time I think we're called to place responsibility on someone who should know exactly what the risks are. He knows he, he's stuck in, in prison. He can't go do this investigation himself. He, he is bringing someone else into the sphere of danger that he very well knows. And I think you also have to put some responsibility on Will in understanding that, you know, that moment where he tells her, don't go, you know, stay away from Hannibal. What does he expect that this person whose life is bound up in investigating the truth? I think it's a reasonable thing to place some sort of responsibility on. Okay. If I, if I take this, this person out of the box and I put them in the playground and I show them you know, what's going on, they're going to run with that. I, I am I telling them to not go to, to, go to I mean, Will told her to go to Jack yeah. and she was like, I can't take sure. this to Jack. So You're it's ready. not, I yeah. mean, again, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Will's defense lawyer here. I don't think <laughs> that, um, I don't think that he bears the responsibility for Beverly's fate. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess I'm not saying that you take that, you know, the label of responsibility for that and you put it on will. I'm just saying that there's like, he's kind of been splashed with it. You know what I mean? Like he's, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of like responsibility that a person needs to understand when they pull the trigger, right. Or when they let something out of the gate that, that they are opening the door for a lot of really bad things that I, at the end of the day, feel like, okay, well, if those bad things, even though you didn't exactly predict them exactly, right, sure. you still have this residual responsibility tagged to you because you knew that opening the gate was opening the gate. It was anything could come through the door, right? Now, and, and that's my thought with Will, because I think it's a very, and I'm just, I'm wrapping this up. I think it's a very vital step in Will's transition into the future, right? Like, I think this is one way that he, something in him is changing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
Well, certainly we, what we see and what we ascribe, you know, responsibility to is different than what Will is going to feel responsibility for. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it'll be, on one hand, I think Will will have a hard time not taking some responsibility. On the other hand, this is what, the second time in a row that Will has said, you know, to someone, blah, blah, blah with Hannibal, do not tell Hannibal, do not involve sure. Hannibal, yeah. stay away from Hannibal. Don't tell Hannibal about my therapy. Don't stay away from Hannibal Lecter. And sure. the person straight up, flat out did not listen. Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, does Will have a choice? I mean, he, he can't escape, you know? I mean, but he, if Will doesn't involve these people, isn't he just allowing Hannibal to run amok? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, he's got to do something. Yeah. He can't just, I mean, it, he <clears throat> knows there's a killer out there and he's, he's convinced of it. Um, and but to what degree is he letting those people have conssent? What, to what degree is he giving them the full picture? He's giving is he them holding, full, is he holding information children? back from them? No, he's, he's, he's wearing it all on his sleeve. He's like, I think Hannibal Lecter killed these people. Mm-hmm. I, this is how I think he did it. This is what I think right. he's doing. Beverly even says, don't say that to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that to me. But is he doing that with Chilton? See, I feel like he's, he's, he, I Chilton feel like. listens to everything he says. Yeah. Yeah. Chilton knows that he thinks Hannibal is responsible. I mean, Chilton right, straight up I... said to Hannibal earlier, Hannibal, 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 you know. He's bad mathing you to everyone he can talk to, except me, of course, because I'm jealous. You know. <laughs> but am I wrong? Did you get in, that I guess I think that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I feel that Will, when he tells Chilton to not talk about his therapy with Hannibal, is saying that because he absolutely knows Chilton will then go do it, and that that is what Will wants. He is manipulating Chilton. Absolutely. I agree. I would agree he's manipulating Chilton for sure. But I'm not sure he's, yeah. I'm not sure he didn't want Chilton. I'm not sure he wanted Chilton to tell Hannibal. I think, I think absolutely. I think the manip- I thought the manipulation was by Hannibal not knowing that will enrage Hannibal into some kind of action. That was, that was what I, my takeaway, you mm. know? <clears throat> I mean, you're, you're not wrong in that Chilton's, you know, if you tell Chilton do do something, he's almost certainly not going to do it and vice versa. <laughs> you know, so maybe, By the just way, maybe. Yeah, Chilton's like little smarmy like moment where he's letting Hannibal know <laughs> that he can't see Will and he's like, oh, and like he, it seems someone was maybe making sure his seizures were induced and oh, his my face God. was just so... Oh God! <laughs> well, and he may have well have been swinging. We say it all the, the time, Ralph Spars. Everybody, mm-hmm. his work with the cane. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ralph like... Sparsa <laughs> is an unsung hero on this show. He oh, is. God, really absolutely. is because yeah, is. Frederick Chilton is such a weaselly, contemptible little character, <laughs> and he is. He makes it gleeful. You know what yeah. I mean? He makes it. I'm really glad in this show 
they don't, whether it was the showrunner's idea or whatever, or if it was Raul Esparza's idea, I'm so glad they didn't do the like pervy Chilton mm. that you see in the, in the film mm-hmm. films. Um, because that would just immediately make me be like, I don't give a shit about this dude. Mm-hmm. And that would, you'd lose all of this yumminess that we get in a scene <laughs> like this. <laughs> Where I'm just like, oh, Chilton, you think, you think that you oh, have like some kind of upper hand here. <laughs> I know. It's, oh, it's like, it would be <laughs> it's so almost it's almost adorable no if it weren't all so terrible <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing because you can he almost wants it see, so bad he wants to yeah. be cool almost, so bad you can <laughs> almost see not hannibal but actually mads in that scene being like <laughs> <laughs> Do they seem like they were induced? (laughs) Well, I feel like I now have to induce some small bit of revenue for our podcast. So I'm going to send us off to send us off to a break with some messages, and we will be right back. So good. we're back and I'm going to break us in with a little bit of interesting trivia before moving on to dive a little deeper into some of our earlier questions. So Catherine Pims played by Amanda Plummer, the character Catherine Pims shares a name with another Catherine Pims from an episode of Pushing Daisies. Um, And the title of that episode was because it was also about murder by B. Wow. And wow. so, well, you know, Brian Fuller loves to reuse his names and have callbacks to his earlier shows. And this is another just tiny little example of that. And I love it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so let's get back into the discussion of loss, you know. Um, and let's talk really about Jack and Bella and Hannibal and their little transition or their little triumvirate there. Um is it fair to bring your psychiatrist in on your suicide efforts? I mean, like I found myself wondering at one point, would Hannibal consider Bella's behaviors in this episode rude? Like hmm. he's not gonna eat her because she's got cancer, but you know, um, would he consider? <laughs> would he consider? Jesus. What it's true. Like I know it's, it's out there, but it's true. He wouldn't, no. you know, but it's different when it's Gina Torres. <laughs> oh, well, you ain't lying. I love me some Gina Torres. Um, but how does Hannibal feel about is, is that why he's so cruel to her? Because he thinks she's being rude. Like that, that struck me as a lot, even for your psychiatrist to come and I'm going to commit suicide in your office in the middle of conversation. Well, it, that absolutely is. I mean, this episode is for me about consent. Do 
even doing things that are benevolent and and ultimately good for a person, but doing it without their consent is, you know, there's a certain amount of, well, it's just wrong. It, you know, and, and so we, we have Amanda Plummer's character doing what she's doing out of, which I think, I actually think this uh, procedural uh, story is my favorite out of all of Hannibal, mm. just because of it's just Amanda Plummerness and <laughs> and the scene in when they come to interview her, where she just sits them down and just starts co- conversing with them about what she's done. It is um, it's comforting in a super super twisted way, um, but we're seeing consent being you know, and the lack of consent being played out on all, from all angles in this. Um, and I, you know, to, for someone to walk in and if it had been anybody other than Hannibal, the, the reaction of, you know, that person to being put in the middle of a suicide without any sort, I mean, she's talked about it, but, but she's not giving that person the choice to participate in that moment or not. And that is a traumatic event. It's a, it would be a terribly traumatic thing to be involved in. But I, on the flip side of that, I, I, to answer Justin's question, I don't think that Hannibal feels that it's rude. I, I see in Hannibal's relationship with Bella, a lot of respect and his reaction is not, does not feel emotional or insulted. It just, I think he, he, I think there's a look on his face in that scene while he's watching her, you know, pass out of, of admiration of like, well, here's, you know, someone who can really take things in hand and do what she feels necessary. Um, and I really do feel that his, his action is a dispassionate curiosity. Um, there may be some manipulation in terms of what he knows might be the effect on Jack, because Jack is clearly a character that Hannibal is messing with. And so I, I think that he would absolutely, you know, again, dispassionately use Bella as a tool in that. But, but I don't think he reacts to Bella personally that way because he does not respond to that element of trauma the way you know does everyone think that hannibal respected bella um, i mean because i it's hard for me to it's hard for me to say like i i i i see the point like i see yeah no I the see way the way that sure. they have related in the past they're like they seem they seem to like have a certain level of respect in this moment um i don't know because there's like i mean to to talk about consent and to talk about claire's earlier point about like oh she's taking away the choice of hannibal but it's like this is her expression of choice this is the last choice she will ever make and she wants it to feel like an empowered choice so she it's like I I I see it more from her point of view than from Hannibal's point of view of like oh this this isn't fair to me um because I I feel 
what Bella is going through as she's facing this kind of mortality. Um, it's a very, um, it's a sympathetic feeling like when it's a sympathetic feeling I have towards her, I would, I would likely consider the same option if I were facing what she was facing. And, um, and it is like, it's because life, there is no control in life. I mean, it's all an illusion, like Mm -hmm. control is an illusion. And, um, so this is the one thing that she feels like she can control. And Mm -hmm. so she's going to do it this way. And it's a series of choices because it's like, where else is she going to go? She talked about not wanting to do it at home. She doesn't want Jack to find her and have to deal with the body in that way. Um, she can't go to a hospital. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, she can't like, so it's like, as far as the world of this show goes, it, it made sense to me that she chose Hannibal's office and mm-hmm. um, but it's hard for me to see respect coming from Hannibal with the coin toss. Yeah. Yeah. Because, that's because the, he took away that power from her. He took and, that choice and that power from her. And he did it on a whim because yeah. he didn't like, I, I mean, there's a part of me that feels like Hannibal manipulated her into deciding to commit suicide for sure you know i mean he basically gave her permission yeah in the first session of the episode um and and that's why and that's why i I phrase the initial question as would he perceive it as rude because he clearly wasn't bothered you know what i mean um the thing is i think i think that is the definition of hannibal's psychosis or not psychosis uh sociopathy is that he can respect her and take away and do what he did on a whim with without it being tied to that respect in any way whatsoever (laughs) i think a big part of why he did that and i don't maybe this was something that he maybe this is an opportunity that he saw from the very beginning when she approached him about this that saving her life was going to really solidify some trust on the part of Jack, which is what Hannibal wouldn't want to lose at this stage in the game. And I think that if he really let Bella commit suicide in his office, Jack would probably be pretty fucking pissed about it. Um, And that kind of, you know, that really is, would be a wrench in a lot of the stuff that Hannibal's got going on right now. That was what came up for me Mm. when he, I think that the coin toss was more about, should I let go of my plan and just let her die here? And then it was Mm. like, nope, I'm going to stick with what I was originally doing. Mm-hmm. based on this coin toss you know <laughs> it almost like the gift of the coin he was like <clears throat> it was almost like that gift was like i'm gonna use this thing that she gave me in good faith and see what it says mm. yeah if it says go forward with it i will if it says don't then i won't interesting it was almost like he was handing it handing the decision over to a higher power 
Wow. Uh, uh, I like that. Yeah, I think he great. thinks he is the higher power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then that, he was like, oh, that's he's right. He's handing it over to himself. Yeah. Here's yeah, what yeah. I decide. <laughs> Am I the only one who sees this whole thing with Hannibal and Bella as completely separate from Hannibal's relationship with Jack? Like, yeah. I don't think he, like, I, I don't think he's fucking with Jack at any point when it comes to Bella. No, I, you know, some of the most honest replies he gives to Jack about how to deal with life is when, when it concerns Bella. Yeah. Like uh, he's like, you know, no, if you want to make it through this, this is what you need to do. And you're like, yes, Jack, that is what you need to do. (laughs) That's like the most sound, (laughs) that's like the most sound piece of advice Hannibal has given is to Jack in dealing with Bella's cancer. And I, what's really interesting to me, and this ties to with uh, uh, Bella giving him the coin, obviously, you know, you're going to go cross the river sticks you got to have a coin or something right mm-hmm. um like it, it 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 reoccurred to me watching this episode and you know it's it's no like you know obviously hannibal represents death that that's obvious like we watch like that's just like a given um a few episodes ago i said you know maybe we'll see will come to represent life but in this episode i'm reminded that really it's jack that represents life and this fight for life and this fight to keep mm-hmm. people alive and to keep people not from dying his and that's it's so well seen in you know you see Hannibal kind of manipulating Bella yeah suicide that's the way to you know that that that's mm-hmm. empowering it could be the way to go for you and on the other on the flip side of that the other side of the coin is Jack saying these are the moments again I'm going to remember I'm not going to remember you dying I'm going to remember you full I of cry. life like living and enjoying life and you're like god Jack is Jack is life like, mm-hmm. yeah, he makes mm-hmm. bad decisions sometimes to get there. Like life is messy, right? Living is messy. It's not going to be perfect. But like every step of the way, his, his goal has been about securing life and, 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 and living and, and appreciating that. So that was one really big thing I took away from me from that sort of triumvirate this, this uh, episode, that reminder. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. That. Wow. That was awesome. Good Phil. stuff, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, hey I, I've been thinking, like, honestly, I've been thinking a lot about life and death since coming out of the pen. Like, it's been like gnawing mm-hmm. at my brain. I'm, I'm yeah. also watching Midnight Mass right now, and like, I'm crushed because I'm watching both of these at the same time. But it's also <laughs> like, like this episode and the episode of Midnight Mass I just watched. You know, back to like almost back to back. I, it, it's the power of this sort of storytelling to kind of help resolve uh, issues, I guess, or, or, you know, things that you're, you're going through uh, it, it's, it points to the, I just, the power of this kind of storytelling in both cases. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm watching this and, and that as well at this moment in my life. Well, Agreed. I mean, the thing about this show, Hannibal, and about Midnight Mass mm-hmm. is that both shows have given us some very interesting corpses. <laughs> and that leads us into our next segment. Ta-da! Exquisite Corpse. OMG. How much Kelly I would Sue. love to do. Hello, hello. Hello. I would love to do an exquisite corpse for Midnight Mass. (laughs) That was some, those are some tasty corpses. No, man, I'm going to have to watch this. I'm only only five episodes in, so 
that's right. I'm now. zero, so just don't talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm zero, zero as well, so. so shut it. Okay, no more. Um, all right, so as we know, there is an art to murder, especially in the world of Hannibal, in our exquisite corpse segment, which I will be leading us through today. Um, we do some amateur sleuthing to break down murder scenes and offer deeper insights into murders based on the myriad of production elements presented. In this case, we're going to talk about bees. <laughs> um, Claire mentioned that this was <clears throat> one of her favorite of the murder tableaus that we see throughout the show. Um, and the storyline with Amanda Plummer, who is so beautifully cast as this, this episode. Mm -hmm. quote yeah. murderer. I even hesitate to call her a murderer, right? It's more of a mercy killer. Exactly. Yeah. So the first body also, we find is a man who's legitimately been turned into a beehive. Um, our second body, a little less of a body given that he is still alive, you know, for all intents and purposes. <laughs> um, technically, he's technically still alive. He's technically alive. <laughs> Both of them are missing eyes. Both of them have been lobotomized. And what I think that this, yes, these murders in this and this plot line definitely serve as a foundation to the themes in this episode of loss, <clears throat> the loss of dignity, decisions that we make at the end of our lives. But I think that there is an even deeper theme of what it means to play God. And there's so much symbolism in the bees and in the corpses that sort of point to this idea um, and I love the fact that she is an acupuncturist, that she calls herself a healer. Um, oftentimes in the spiritual community, these folks really believe that they have some sort of like, they've been divinely ordained to make choices about other people's lives. And that those choices that they make about someone else are handed down from God, right? Bees are a symbol of Jesus Christ. The wisdom, the uh, <clears throat> productiveness, the hard work, all of that. Honey is a symbolism of God's provision of abundance. She's even in there making honey in her house. And she's Have you giving- Have the honey? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's made from humans. <laughs> yeah. um, and so there's very much this idea that she is wanting to offer this almost like a savior in a way and that's very much in her language as well there's nothing about it that's malicious there's nothing about it that seems like she's you know gleefully taking away people's lives but what's interesting is that a huge part of what she does is lobotomizing, which was something that the Soviet Union tossed out for being like, hold on, I have the exact wording right here. <laughs> Contrary to the principles of humanity. This is coming from the Soviet Union, y'all. <laughs> and so it's very 
it speaks about the very human quality of being surrendered to life. That you don't, no one human gets to make a decision like that for someone else. Mm. No one holds that right. It is human to not have control over these things. And when someone steps in to take control over that, you end up with dudes walking around the park with no eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Having gone through years of- And let that be a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Having gone through years of of taking care of my mother who spent the last few years of her life in crippling pain, um, dealing with a myriad of life ending illnesses. The, my connection to um, Amanda Plummer, um, highlights for me that sense in, especially in a hospital situation where you're, you're walking in and as not a doctor, you don't know what you don't know. And there is an amount of power that a doctor, that a physician has over you and making a consensual decision about care for someone or for yourself is dependent on how much of that power that person gives back to you. That person's always going to have more power because they have more knowledge. And, and really that's the, the key to this episode for me again is, is how do we, with the most humanity and the most morality, you know, moral, uh, impulse towards moral good, do we exercise the power that we naturally have over other people in circumstances where we know more than they do? How do we, how do we ensure and be aware of always giving those people as much power over their own lives as possible? Hmm. Um, This is fascinating stuff. Wow. Difficult. Yeah. 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 Well, and I mean, like, um, Kelly, see what you were saying about like, you know, the Christ symbolism and Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an ongoing theme on this show from like the very first episodes, um, Mm -hmm. to now. And then, you know, Claire talking about like, you know, these doctors and caregivers who have this power over people's lives and deaths. And it's like, you know, we open like early on in the episode, it's Bella talking like with Hannibal talking about Lazarus and um, that he kind of plays the Jesus Christ role in the end of bringing her back from the dead Mm -hmm. and like playing Jesus to her Lazarus. And Mm -hmm. it's like, was that, but, and it's like, you know, in Christianity, it's like the sign of this miracle and oh, the goodness of Christ. And it's like, but we know Hannibal's the bad guy (laughs) and that wasn't a nice thing that he did. Is that fair? Is that right? And so, yeah, it's, there's, um, yeah, there's a stuff, man. There's a visual motif in this episode. Uh, and that's with the syringes. Uh, there's several close-ups throughout the episode of a a syringe being used very much how acupuncture is used or how a bee sting might occur. 
-hmm. and they're all or in instances big ice in which, pick into your eyeball yeah yeah that's right. <laughs> um mm -hmm. they're all in instances in which one will graham remembers an instance in which his uh uh um uh, his uh, uh uh he had his um <laughs> sort of yeah yeah like he he had like he had his, his agency his agency, his agency yeah. taken mm -hmm. away essentially yeah um, the other one was in taking away Bella's agency, her decision to commit suicide. So each and every one of these instances is met with a syringe through the skin um, in the same way that, uh, you know, we see Amanda Palmer sort of, you know, plumber, yeah, plumber, <laughs> summer, yeah, plumber. Yeah. Maybe it's more well, we than get imagery just a with syringe her different Amanda. Because, yeah. and, yeah. you know, not to get super phallic and sexual, but it's, maybe it's about penetrative close-ups because yeah. we also see the close-up of the thing that amanda Plummer uses to mm -hmm. give the lobotomies which is you yeah. know i don't even yeah. know what the hell it is but it's you know it's not a syringe but it's definitely serving that well, same she, function she mm -hmm. literally like covers up half of his face which yeah. if there's a symbolism of like not of of keeping things from someone or keeping someone you know in the dark it's yeah it's beautifully done and what's extra fascinating to me is because and I'm, I'm just coming to this all now as you guys are talking about this stuff is you know you know the bee as a symbol for christ and i can't help but think about bees and hives and swarms and how from a from the perspective of consciousness like like bees don't have individual consciousnesses a mm -hmm. bee cannot give consent do you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. bees follow the whims of their queens they do what they're instructed to do do you know what i mean much like the followers of religions and in a very real sense much like the people that there are two chess players will and hannibal are doing to the people around them you know mm -hmm. there is a real metaphor for god and the devil and manipulation mm -hmm. and consent you know and, you know, free will, and even, you know, what is free will? Do we have it or not? Can it really be taken away? If you can be controlled, do you actually have free will? Like, there's a lot of real basic questions of consciousness and agency and how it relates to our belief structures. And that's some really heady stuff. Yeah, I just um, have one final question. Um, I'll make it really quick. Did you know that when a male bee ejaculates, you, his penis explodes and you can hear an audible pop? Isn't that I know what, that because Scott Thompson Price, told me. Yeah, that's what yeah. Jamie Price Thompson said. said yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it, um, and I did have my one hot take. Well, I had many, but one of my hot takes yeah. was the Zeller Price um, banter. Directions, yeah. Yes. beautiful this episode and yeah price oh, yeah. told us about the exploding yes penis. I, penis. I, that scene <laughs> that scene absolutely cracks me up because i did just I, I follow a number of like scientific type people on tiktok who are just you know explaining how the world works and that mm. just came up like two nights ago as i was watching tiktok i'm like oh it was you know like somebody giving us a whole description of how drone bees work and you know, the whole exploding penis thing and you can hear them pop and it's amazing. Is that your recommendation, Claire? And that seems yeah, like a great segue, you know, to say, while you're recommending things, 
you know? <laughs> uh, Claire, it's your week to uh, yes. share with us what we should be watching, reading, listening to if we are fans of the exploding penai of beads. <laughs> um, so please, what do you got for us this week? Oh, um, I have no bee penai. Um, I am recommending a television series called The Sinner um, because it um, really fits in well for me in with Hannibal because it is a, it's a police procedural in which Bill Pullman, who is amazing in it. I love Bill Pullman, um, plays a detective who, you know, the setup is very much that, you know, in the first episode of every season, which it's in the anthology series. So it's a very different story. Each time Bill Pullman is the only, um, constant from season to season. Um, but the setup is always that we, we absolutely see what happens, who does it. And so there's no question from the very first episode of, of each storyline, this person did this thing, this person committed this crime. Bill Pullman's work is to investigate the why of it and the motivation of it. Um, sometimes really diving in very deeply about mental health issues that may lead to, you know, the horrific, you know, thing that happened. Um, it, it's unique in, in that it, it really does focus without taking any blame or responsibility away from the person who committed the crime. It does focus on making them a human being and treating them like a human being through the entire course of the season. Um, if you watch no other season of this series, watch the first season uh, that stars Jessica Biel. It is phenomenal. She is phenomenal. Um, we go on to have um, other guest stars like Carrie Coon and, um, oh, what's his name from White Collar? Oh, Matt Bomer. Oh, Matt, Matt Bomer. Bomer. Thank you very much. Matt <laughs> Bomer's. Yeah. The third season is Matt Bomer and he's freaking phenomenal in it as well. Um, it is, it is very difficult to binge. It is very dark and moody. It is very much the vibe of the second season of, of Hannibal in a lot of ways. It's, it, oh, it's just so good though. I really, really do like it. So the center. With that folks, I think that we have come to the end of another episode of murder husbands. Uh, join us again next week as we dig into episode five and we find out if uh, Philip's torture will be ended or prolonged. Um, please join us uh, also on our other ongoing show. Uh, at this point, we may very well have started our next season of that episode was focusing on the sixth and final season of The Expanse. Dun, dun, dun. You can always help us out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a nice comment about our work. Follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social media platforms. Sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com for all upcoming and ongoing podcast and related info. That is P O P S K L P O D. And until next time, stay cool, folks.
This has been a Popsicle podcast production.